Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? All right, today we're going to talk about how we can find out and how much we can find out and what it takes to get there. So let's say in this case, I want to find out at a level of seven. Okay, so I find that level on my graph and I come horizontally to my gradient line. Where it intersects with my gradient line, I'm going to come straight down to where it intersects with my round line. Now there's going to tell me how much I have to around to find out what I need to find out. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. And also, if you stay down here and you never around, you'll never find out. So I hope this lesson is helpful. Thank you. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hey, welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Here we are on the clock. It's a very important time for us. We enjoy speaking with our friend, John Guandolo. John is a, um, he's a Marine. He is a, um, well, let's talk about this. He was a former federal agent. He is, uh, he's a national security expert. He's a stud. John, welcome back. Thank you, Wendy. It's awesome to spend Friday mornings with you guys. I love it. John, I want you to tell me about this this thing that you want to talk about today because you want to take us back in time and you want to take us to another country. I've never been to Russia. I've never been to to even that continent. So I, I wonder what you want to share with us because I believe it's going to strike a nerve with everybody here who loves freedom. Yeah, well, I thought about this um, because of everything going on. And I think your audience is uh, savvy enough because of um, your daily shows and the conversations you have about what's going on. So um, instead of talking about current events, it seemed to me that um, sharing some very personal stories about liberty might Mm -hmm. resonate uh, with the audience. And I thought it was really cool that as I was waiting on hold, you had the Battle Hymn of the Republic playing. Mm -hmm. And... uh, that was motivating and a good scene setter, at least for me. And um, so I wanted to go back and I wanted to share something because people forget, I believe, in my experience talking to people, that, you know, in the, and we can go, say, the 50s and 60s and 70s, but in the 80s, the war with the Soviet Union was not just a Cold War, right? It was being fought in, uh, like, the war of the Soviets in Afghanistan, we were, we were there. When, when the Soviets were in other countries, like in Poland, we were supporting Poland and the, the helping them, you know, with, uh, you know, what they were printing so they could get patriots in Poland, you know, uh, supplies they needed and in the underground and things like that. And it, there was a lot going on that we now know, but what, What was actually going on in the Soviet Union? What made them the evil empire, as Ronald Reagan called them? And it it was the complete crushing of the individual and individual liberty. And uh, as you've shared on your show, you know, I went to the Naval Academy 
But after high school, I grew up in Maryland, and uh, I applied, and I didn't get in. And so I spent a year in your neck of the woods up there in Western PA going to a a prep school for a year. I got a scholarship to go for a year uh, from the Naval Foundation. And one of the uh, professors at this prep school is a tremendous prep school. Uh, Your man, Kelly, is very familiar with it because his dad was the the headmaster. And um, one of the professors, Tomas Szilagyi, uh, who is now deceased, had had actually participated in the revolution when the Soviets invaded Hungary, and he was a part of the un- underground. And, uh, you know, he did things like delivering food uh, to the fighters, and, and it's a pretty intricate story, and there's actually a documentary was made about his life that's actually fascinating, and I think it's on YouTube anyway. But why I'm sharing this is because he and one of our other professors um, put together a trip in the spring of 1985 to the Soviet Union, and I absolutely wanted to go. And so we spent uh, the part of the year working up towards it, learning about the history, learning about the culture, learning enough, you know, Russian to, you know, ask, you know, how do you get here? How do you buy things? That kind of thing. And we went and we spent just a little less than uh, three weeks there. Hmm. And what I experienced there was life changing. And I want to set the stage because I grew up, I didn't grow up in a, uh, I, I feel like I grew up in a, what I would call a a normal American home where my, my dad worked for the government. He worked for the Smithsonian and uh, the Smithsonian has a private, the federal side, and he worked for the government. And I was taught to respect uh, the government, to, uh, you know, work hard, pay your taxes, to be a good citizen, to vote, um, to do the kind of essential things you do. And so that's kind of the upbringing. And I took that into this trip And to go to the Soviet Union and to see human beings that were really not different from me, except they were living under an incredibly oppressive system, a tyrannical communist system, and and getting like a whole slew of interactions. And what I'd like to do for your audience is share a few of those and what how that radically um, solidified my my understanding that liberty isn't just something that we have. It is something that daily, daily has to be fought for because the the powers that are out there that want to enslave you are taking steps every day. Mm-hmm. And it's like being on an escalator. If you're standing still, you're going down. You have to be walking up every day. You have to be fighting for it. You have to understand. You have to be engaged. And as you've said many times, we're, Americans have not been engaged. We've been on coast for a long time, and now we're finally scrambling to get engaged and realize, holy cow, we let these tyrannical enemies take over. So let me just start with this one uh story because it's to me it's the most powerful and it's it's a it's a, a great way to just start this discussion is 
So this is towards the end of my trip. And in the Soviet Union at the time, if you were a European or an American, uh, and, and from basically free the free world, you could go to the Soviet Union and there were stores that only you could go to. Or, uh, and there were special stores that only the leadership, like the very top 1% of leadership could go to. The average Soviet couldn't go into those stores. And you had all kinds of stuff, like, you know, Marlboro cigarettes and Jack Daniels whiskey and certain kind of clothing and other things like that, like the Berioska shops is what they were called. And you could go in there and they couldn't. And when you went into a normal Soviet store, it was sad. I mean, they had two kinds of cars driving around on the roads uh, because there's no creativity because creativity is smashed. And I, I want to pause and inject this. After about the second day we were there of having the KGB overseer be our tour guide, because that's what they were, and our, our Tomas Salaji had explained that. When you get there, you will be under constant watch, and here's you just got to, but you got to stay in line. You got to do what they tell you. That's what they're going to tell you, and they did. And so for the first day, we're driving around, you know, uh, the city, we, we were in uh, uh, Leningrad, Moscow, and Kiev. Those were the three areas we went to over those almost two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, and here we are, you know, got this guy leading this tour. And he's telling us, you know, this is the great chocolate factory, and it is much better than your factory in Pennsylvania and America, the Hershey's factory. We, of course, make superior chocolate. Literally, this is kind of how they're, we're all looking at each other like, dude, we've had your chocolate. It blows. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, but that's, it's like the propaganda was so heavy, so thick everywhere you went. And, and so we decided a handful of us to break away. And we literally, would get on a subway and just say, let's just go out like five or six stops. And, you know, we'd end up in the middle of nowhere and wander around and check things out and try to talk to people. And of course people would see us and they would freak out because they'd be like, you know, tourists don't come here. Right. But, uh, it gave us going and doing that. It obviously could have gotten us into trouble, but you know, when you're 17, 18 year old, I'm not sure you think that way. (laughs) And, um, but it was fascinating to go into like stores outside of the facade that they want you to see. And you go into a real store that real Russians, uh, Soviets go to and they're bare, you know, that you, you walk through the store and you're, you're shocked at how little they have. And there's like this long line to go into the store. Of course, we went to the front of the line. They would invite us to come into the store and get in the front of the line mm-hmm. because we don't live there, and they wanted to make a good impression on us. Um, and you realize, and the people were very closed up, like their hearts weren't full of joy. And, and it doesn't mean they didn't love their children, or they didn't, but the society, you can feel the oppression. Mm-hmm. And you realize how blessed we are right. with everything. And the reason we have the creativity, and you and I have talked about this, is because liberty breeds creativity. And liberty comes from knowing that you are a son or daughter of the very creator of the universe 
And when you know that, and you build a law and a government based on that, that that's the moral standard for a government, then it breeds liberty. It breeds which breeds creativity, which breeds prosperity. I love that they, you. I, I love that you're bringing this up, John, because I feel like you are going to now say after this break. I think that you have an analogy with where you see us now, where people in very dark circles want to take us even further towards the old, you know, the old USSR. And I, I'm interested in hearing you talk a little bit more about that. Hang tight with me one second. Ladies and gentlemen, I talk every day about Field of Greens, and it's easy to just sort of hear me say fruits and vegetables, blah, blah, blah. It's the whole organic fruit, and it's in a powder, and you put it in the thing, and you shake it up, and yeah, you drink it, and it, and it calms your appetite for several hours, and all of a sudden you start to see things change in your body, your hair, uh, your nails, your skin. And then you start feeling healthier and then you start feeling less bloated and then you start feeling like you have more energy um, and then you start feeling like cleansed almost. You know, I can tell you all day how I feel after I drink Field of Greens because it's made specifically with specific fruits and vegetables to target specific parts of your body and to lift you and to, and to wrap you in sort of this prebiotic wellness but the real challenge comes when you're ready to try it yourself. And if you want to, you can get 15% off right now using my name. Uh, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Wendy. I love the lemon-lime. There's also a lemonade kind of like a pink lemonade, I believe, right now. Lots of different flavors, a wild berry. Uh, it's just, it just tastes good, and it is good, and it feels good. So fieldofgreens.com, promo code Wendy, save 15%. I hope you give it a try. More with John Guandolo. I love this whole idea of liberty versus tyranny. When you experience it, I think some of us are getting our hints of it, right? I don't think we have any clue what it's really like out there. John Guandolo continues right after this on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So it was a joy to welcome back our national security expert, John Guandolo, telling a story about traveling to Russia. And, and John, you know, I have to ask you this. You're, you're talking about liberty and you're talking about tyranny. Are you seeing, um, tell me how you're, you're saying this for a reason. You're telling us this for a reason. And what is it? Well, the reason is that what we're experiencing, much like we hear from people who left Cuba or people who have fled to the United States lawfully, uh, who are being persecuted in places like China or other tyrannical states. Um, What we're seeing in the United States and what we have been seeing for a number of years is the increasing uh, development Mm -hmm. and hardening of a tyrannical system here. Right. I mean, now you're hearing people, you're hearing people at the national level both elected people and talking heads uh, talking about the evil of the system uh, that we are, you know, this is civil war, as John Voigt just said, you know, this is, we're in a civil war for the very heart and soul of America. Um, And I think we have been for, for a while. Uh, That's why I felt like today to share like this I have heard people that are smart people, that are patriotic people, say that could never happen here. Well, America is not this magical place that has a bubble around it where things just can't happen. When an adversary works daily over a period of decades, 
and quite frankly now for a hundred years in this country, to overturn our system and the response from the federal government, state governments, local governments, and the people has been to really not pay attention or, on the worst side, to actively participate in this, as some people are doing, mm-hmm. to help overthrow our system, then this is the natural outcome. This is where we end up, everything we're seeing. The fact that they can say flat out, this is what we're doing, and there's just nothing you can do to stop it because they believe they have so much infrastructure in place. The enemies, our enemies, have so much infrastructure in place, so much momentum, we can't stop it. And I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm sharing it is because I do see at every level of the society, that you can pick something, the corruption of the churches, the number of uh, not just cowardly uh, pastors of all denominations, but the intentional, you know, the Soviet, the KGB intentionally went into Catholic and then later Protestant seminaries and insinuated themselves into there to influence them. We know that they've been in the U.S. colleges and university systems since the 40s and 50s. I mean, Stalin knew that that's the base, and then down to the elementary school level, taking over the teachers' union, taking over the labor unions, expanding the control through things like the labor department and, you know, the agriculture department and the state department, which is holy, geez, that place is just a den of communists. Um, and so that's how this works. And it's, so it's been happening, but now we're seeing it like at its pinnacle. And what I wanted to kind of leave as a, a kind of a final thought is this story. I love it. I think it's important. Yeah, and I want to say this quick story, if I may. You've got a minute, John. That's perfect. All right. At the very end of my trip, I was in a a taxi with a buddy of mine who was on this trip with us, who ended up becoming a Navy SEAL, actually. And the, the taxi driver was Jewish. And we had been there, you know, buying stuff, going into these Berioska shops, buying stuff, and then sharing it with friend, people that we had met and all this. And we asked him, is there anything we can get you? And he stopped at the, you know, the stop sign, and he turned around, and he couldn't speak English, but he said, can you get me? And he waved his arms like a bird. And he said, can you get me freedom? <sighs> That's it, my friend. That is what it's all about. John Guandolo, ladies and gentlemen, he is special to us, as you can tell. Thank you, John, and good luck this weekend. Have a great holiday. Appreciate you. All right. Wow. When we come back, I got to I got to drop on you this story. Keith Olbermann freaking out Riley Gaines. And uh, it's beyond what he said. It is, it is more. And we're going to go into it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So sometimes, and I try to be fair, I really do try to be fair about this. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. But I do try to diagnose what it is that liberals are so upset about all the time. I, I, try, to, I try to figure out why there is such a, a definite persona on the left. Why it's so, I could cherry pick somebody out of a crowd and be like, that's a liberal and that's a liberal. 
what is that? What is, why, why? If we had to diagnose, if we had to do a diagram and say, all right, let's get to the root of the problem. What's the root of the problem? Is the root of the problem that at some point along their childhood, they were wayward or insecure. Everybody is as they're a child. And somehow they wandered into a realm where they were indoctrinated into this just ideology of suck. Because you can't defend it anymore. You, you can't defend liberalism or, or the Democratic Party's alleged objectives of equity and fairness. Because if that was the case, Joe Biden wouldn't be giving one-tenth of one percent uh, to Maui vis-a-vis what he gives to strangers we'll never see in Ukraine. And, and they're not going to see it either. Because it's all a, a money laundering operation, right? I mean, if you were all about equality, if you were, if you were about fairness... You would have a a deep revulsion to this whole idea of men pretending that they're women because that's called a mental illness. And anybody who says it's not is kidding you. Um, It is a mental illness to to want to be something that you're not and demand that everybody around you obey and and treat you accordingly. Okay, we've got bills to pay. I'm not here to coddle you and your emotional fragility. I'm just I don't care. Right. But what is it about somebody like a Keith Olbermann or a Rob Reiner? Uh, What is it about an ever toxic and noxious Joy Behar or any of the people on MSNBC? Like what 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 is that unifying thing? They're just always angry and there's something to gripe about. And and you never feel like these people are grateful. You never feel like these people want to lift anybody up or, or celebrate somebody else's accomplishments or or feel moved in a moment by something magnanimous that they, they you know how you feel when you hear the, the national anthem when somebody sings the star spangled banner when when the the planes fly over the jets fly over during a professional sporting event um you know the way you feel when you walk outside and you see how beautiful nature is if you get to carve yourself away from a hellhole blue city, right? I, I don't understand. that. I really struggle with this. And I try to be fair. I really do. But I'm just tapped out. Because stories like this just piss me off. Uh, Keith Olbermann, the repeatedly fired former ESPN sports anchor, apparently sparking controversy over his personal attack on former NCAA swimming champion Riley Gaines for her activism to save women's sports from being undermined by male-born transgender women athletes. I mean, that this is where we are, that she has to be an activist for something that's basic is the same thing as wasting your breath trying to describe what a woman is. Everybody knows. Stop playing the charade, okay? You're on the losing side. So, so she's got to go out and she has to be a, a, a cheerleader of, of reality, right? And he comes back at her and says, can you address the reality and move past it? You sucked at swimming. You sucked at swimming. Like, I could go into the, the nuance of why he said that to her. She was, tra- she's traveling to different college campuses to talk realistically at the nucleus of indoctrination, right, education, and saying, what are we doing? What happened to what happened to all the women out there who cared about women's rights? Where was the million mom Marge? Where were all the women with vagina hats on? Where where's the activism for equality? You know, what about suffrage? Where what happened to all of you people? Because you've cashed into whatever is 
I guess, profitable because the World Economic Forum and losers out there with a global world order ideology think that you need to to pretend in things that aren't real, to coddle people who need therapy, not surgery, right? And so Keith Olbermann says you sucked at swimming. It is a it is a stooping below the character of America. It is an undermining of the integrity of the hard work of what it what it means to be an American. And and I, I strongly hope that Keith Olbermann gets the help he needs because I, it doesn't even dig. I don't want to dignify him by reading all of the details. I'm intrigued by the common trigger for leftists. And I don't know if it's insecurity. I don't know if it's a deep resentment. I don't know if it's a self-loathing that's projected on others. I don't know if they had bad childhoods, if they needed more hugs. I don't know. I don't know. But to the Keith Olbermans out there who want to live their lives like that, you will be left behind. Sadly, a great number of you will not be saved. And that's just a fact. So with that, I have to say to you, it is time for... We got a twofer for you, ladies and gentlemen. And you know, this is my favorite guy, Steve Hartman on CBS. Absolutely love his job. Uh, what he does, this is going to take you to Brock's hometown, Zelianople, Pennsylvania. The story of the special relationship between a school bus driver and his many kids. This may look like a normal family reunion, but as you'll soon see, Reed Moon of Zelianople, Pennsylvania is no ordinary patriarch. Good to see you. And this is no ordinary family. This is Anagale. Far from it. Bethany, here's DJ. The handsome lad, that's Lewis. How many kids do you have? I'll say 200. Maybe even more. No, they're not biologically my kids. But emotionally, they surely are. That's how attached he is to the students who rode his school bus. A job he held for 27 years, even though it wasn't exactly his first choice. Reed sort of fell into the job. Well, not sort of, he, he did fall into the job. In 1990, he fell off a roof working as a handyman. After that, he wanted a job closer to the ground. But ironically, he says no job has ever lifted him higher. It's his children. And being in a position where you can love kids every single day is a lovely position to be in. Like he just made everybody feel safe and loved and cared for. Do anything he possibly could to help somebody. I don't really have a teacher that I remember. I remember my best driver. So many kids feel the exact same way. That more than 20 of them had Reed, who was also a pastor, officiate their weddings. A bond so strong that even though Reed retired years ago, Former students gathered recently for one last ride. And they're finding their assigned seat. Right here in the front. <laughs> that they had 20 years ago. And now their child is sitting on their lap. And that kind of feeling is a wonderful thing. <laughs> and as for his secret to fostering all this. So he only had two rules on the bus. Show everyone love and respect. Love and respect to everybody. It's a lesson they carry with them. Love and respect. And on them. Got a love and respect tattoo? I'm convinced that when you love and respect people, most of the time, that's what you're going to get back. 
Get back. By the busload. Thanks, Rosie. Have a great day at school, honey. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Zelianople, Pennsylvania. Learn lots. <laughs> what a fantastic story. Oh, my heavens. Maybe that's what Keith Olbermann needs. He needs more of this. More Good bus news. rides. More bus rides. More, more reality. More reality checks. This is a great story, Brock. You like this one. Tell us about it. This is about old people and using phones. And I have the same problem that they do. I'm lucky to have a wife that does my tech support for me. I love it. Let's roll. The residents at Brookdale Senior Living have a wealth of wisdom, but many also have a gap in that knowledge. Most notably, how do you work this telephone gizmo? Even turn it on. That was hard. Right. My email was not coming in. I don't know where things are. It's just not easy. Help. Tell me how to run it. (laughs) Enter our heroes. A group of computer-savvy Gen Zers who march in once a week to control S the day. But why? A couple years ago, some students here at Canterbury School in Fort Myers, Florida, were joking about how bad their grandparents were at anything technical. But when the laughter faded, one of them was struck with a seriously good idea. Yeah, it's called CLEO. It stands for Computer Literacy Education Outreach. Aaron Smolyar, along with friends Christian Lakeese and Derek Hunican, started the CLEO Club and tried to partner with Brookdale. Yeah, initially we tried emailing, but I think maybe we got like put in a spam <laughs> Did not use email. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So we, I mean, it's right next door. We literally, it was before we could drive. So we just walked over after school. And they've been volunteering ever since. Okay, then go to photos icon. Jonathan Smith couldn't figure out how to text a picture. Do I poke it? Yeah, you just click it. And that's all there is to it? Yeah, click it. Nancy Kilpatrick wanted to clear out her inbox for the first time. 122,000. Emails? Yes. Fortunately, Nancy learned you don't have to delete them one at a time. Look at that. Look at that. What you look at that. Oh. For the kids, it's not always easy. I'm getting it. All right. But they keep coming back week after week. I've never had that before. Those young people are just amazing. A great group. They're a blessing, you know. And they have so much patience with us. We're on a first-name basis now. (laughs) And those friendships may be the best part. Because eventually the devices go dark. But the conversation continues. (laughs) Proving that as a communication tool, smartphones always work best. Powered off. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Steve Hartman on the road. Come by next week. Oh, I am. In Fort Myers, Florida. (laughs) All righty. Oh my gosh, is that fantastic? It is so necessary at the end of a week for us to do that. And there is no finer storyteller that I've ever come across than the one and only Steve Hartman. I love that. You know, before we get to bad jokes, which is right on the horizon, let me tell you quickly about my friends at Birch Gold, because this is serious. Um, It's it's time. It's time for us to get serious about protecting our future. And if you've been squirreling away money, and I know you have, and you encourage people like your children to do the same thing, to save for tomorrow, well, tomorrow seems a little far away, and it seems like it's out of reach. 
get protected, get gold and silver into your investments now. It's just a smart thing to do. And uh, and it's not complicated to do, which, which is nice. Kind of like that story with the kids coming in and helping the older folks with the technology. You don't have to know the ins and outs of gold and silver or investing or stocks and bonds and trading and all of that. All you need to know is one one website, and it's called birchgold.com. If you go to birchgold.com forward slash Wendy, they're going to send you an information kit to your house. It tells you all that they do, and you can decide if you want to continue the conversation, and they will happily help you. It doesn't cost you anything, and it is tax-sheltered. Remember that. Birchgold.com forward slash Wendy. Carve that the time today. They're super-duper people. You'll love them. All right, quick time out. When we come back, hey, you know what it is. It's called... Your Bad Jokes, next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, it is the end of a busy week. A reminder, we will be here laboring on Labor Day Monday. So please join us. This is the time where most people take the day off and phone it in. Not the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, you know what now? The time now is. Okay, ready? Ladies and gentlemen. I just flew in from New York, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to the Comedy Club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday. All right, so you know the rules of the game. You guys send in your jokes. We are not allowed to read them in advance. And if we botch them, that's part of the allure. This is Dr. Richard Rafferty's joke from the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh. The fact that there's any allure to this. Right. A man is on trial for murder and if convicted will get the electric chair. His brother learns that a redneck is on the jury and figures he'd be the best one to bribe. He tells the redneck, look, I'm going to pay you $10,000 if you convince the rest of the jury to reduce the charge to manslaughter. After being out for an entire week, the jury finally returns with a verdict of manslaughter. After the trial, the brother visits the redneck. You did such a great job. Here's the 10 grand that I promised you. The redneck replies, you know, it wasn't easy to convince the rest of the jury to change the charge to manslaughter. They all thought he was not guilty, but wanted to let him go. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you get those, Doc? Where does he come up with that? Uh, a guy goes to a pet store to buy a goldfish. The salesman asks him, do you want an aquarium? Oh. Guy responds, I don't care what sign it is. Oh, God. They all... Mm. Three men are stuck on a boat with four cigars, but nothing to light them with. They throw one overboard, and the boat becomes a cigar lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. Why did the math book look so sad? It had a lot of problems. Doctor to the patient, do you smoke? Patient, yes. Doctor, cigarettes, cigars, vapes, patient. Mostly brisket and pork. <laughs> That's for you, Brock. Uh, man, God, how long is a million years? God, to me, about a minute. Man says, God, how much is a million dollars? God says, to me, it's a penny. The man says, God, may I have a penny? God says, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. A father buys a lie detector robot that slaps people when they lie. He decides to test it out at dinner one night. Father asks his son what he did that afternoon. Son says, ah, I did some homework. Robot, 
slaps the son. Son says, okay, okay. I was at a friend's house watching movies. Dad asks, what movie did you watch? Son says, Toy Story. Robot slaps the son again. Okay, okay. We were watching porn. Dad Dad says, what? At your age, I don't even know what porn was. The robot slaps the father. (laughs) Mom laughs and says, well, he certainly is your son. The robot slaps slaps the mother. (laughs) That's a good one. That's fantastic. I just watched a program on beavers. Mm-hmm. It was the best damn documentary I've ever seen. Are monsters good at math? Only if you count Dracula. Oh, boy. So Joe Biden is like a web browser with 19 tabs open. Mm-hmm. 17 are frozen. And he doesn't know where the music is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I associate with that. Yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Cows go. Cows go. Who? A cow goes moo, not who. I know, it's stupid. I didn't do it. No, go. do it over. Do it over. You knock, butchered knock. it. Who's there? Cows go. Cows go who? Cow goes moo, not who. Oh, good, th- good thing we wasted that 30 seconds. <laughs> my elderly neighbor stops by my house every day asking where his wife is. Aww. I have to explain that she died several years ago. I thought about not answering the door, but I love seeing the smile on his face when I tell him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's terrible. A vegan and a vegetarian are standing on top of a cliff to see who's better. They both jump off at the same time. Do you know who wins? Brock? No. Society. A? a? <laughs> Amen. You got how, any? Okay, go ahead. How does the moon cut his hair? How? Eclipse it. Grandma and Grandpa went to bed. Grandma said to Grandpa, do what you want to go to sleep or what? And Grandpa said, what? (laughs) How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? Hmm. You follow the Fresh Prince. I cut my finger chopping cheese, but I think I might have greater problems. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump secretly have a regular Zoom conversation. Bernie, I dream... (laughs) Bernie says, I dreamed last night that God spoke to me. He said that he wanted me to be president. Joe said, that's funny. I had the exact same dream. Donald Trump says, I don't remember talking to either one of you last night. Oh, I think we got to end with that. <laughs> I love that. I'll do, I'll do one more. One more. Last night, my boyfriend and I watched three DVDs back to back. Luckily, I was the one facing the TV. Oh, boy called Bad Joke Friday for a reason, guys. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. We'll be here Monday. Hopefully you join us. Love you guys. Peace.